Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast with Pastor John of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now let's hear a message from God's Word. So tonight we're looking at chapters 31 and 32. And I titled this A New Leader for Israel. Pretty much pulled the title from chapter 31. But chapter 32, we have the Song of Moses. So it has its own uh, great portions of the Bible. Songs to rehearse, which is so important. Uh, Rehearse the truths of God and uh, the ways of people and the hearts of people. Songs can, as we know, bring conviction and cause us to just feel remorse, feel joy, um, a number of different things, but they can also teach. And one of the things that we miss today, I believe, in much of the Christian music that's being written, it's written in a way that brings joy, but often doesn't go very deep and maybe don't teach as much as the hymns of old that were often rich in theology. And uh, Song of Moses is one of those things that God gave Moses a song that he sung to the people. We'll look at it in chapter 32. And uh, they were to teach it to their children. They were to sing the words of this. And I even looked up on YouTube. Um, There are people who have put music to the words that they could sing it. One guy sounded more like an Irish folk hymn uh, going through it. And it was so long, like verses one through nine was four minutes. And then you downloaded another one to hear uh, picking up in verse 10. But as they were to teach it to their children. And God was looking hundreds of years in the future when people would be singing the words of this and it would bring conviction and they would know that they had failed the Lord and the reasons why it was all written down for them in a song. So we'll see that in chapter 32. But first, chapter 31. And first, I'd like to ask God to bless the teaching of his word this night. And Father, we thank you for uh, church body being here together tonight, Lord. And we thank you for those who are watching via social media, uh, those who may be watching through our church's website, Lord, the ability that you give us, Lord, to spread the gospel uh, throughout different parts of our world. And we thank you for that. Help us to be faithful to the proclamation of your gospel. And tonight, Lord, looking at these two chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, as Israel is preparing for a new adventure that you are going to set them on with a new leader, and as Moses is preparing to leave the people, a ministry that he had been doing for 40 years lord it had to be hard on moses and it had to be hard on the children of israel as well 
but also exciting at the same time. Moses, exciting for him. He was going to go to heaven. He was going to be gathered with his people. He was going to see the God that he has served for so many years. And for the people, Lord, they would, yes, miss the leading of Moses, but also the laying on of hands, the inauguration of Joshua as a new leader, a warrior that would help lead them into the promised land. And Father, your promise that you would go before them and be with them. We live in a day and age, Lord, where we need to hear those promises as well, that you'll not only go before us, that you'll be with us in the times that we live. So give us courage. Give us understanding of your scripture this night, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Speaking of courage, and it's repeated over and over again in Deuteronomy 31, and it's repeated to the children of Israel, but also to Joshua. And Joshua gets it several times, not only here in Deuteronomy 31, but also in Joshua chapter 1. It seems that Moses, the people, and God had to keep tell, telling Joshua, be strong, be of good courage. Verse 6, a key verse in this chapter. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And so for Joshua, this is repeated several times. We'll see it here in this chapter. We'll see it in Joshua chapter 1 as well. And we're closing out these final few chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, and there is a transition of leadership that is taking place. Moses is 120 years old, and I think he has a well-deserved trip to heaven after serving the Lord Um for 40 years over the children of Israel, but on this earth for 120 years. And the Bible tells us here in this chapter that he's no longer able to go out and to come in. This is a term that is often used in the book of the Kings, especially, but sometimes in the judges. And it speaks about the ability of the king or a judge to lead the people, especially the men, leading them to battle and bringing them back in victory. And for Moses, he was no longer sufficient in this regard. In fact, we never read of Moses personally going out to the battle, the very first battle that Israel engages in when they're in the wilderness, Joshua is at the lead while Moses is on the mountain with her and Aaron on either side of him as they were lifting up the rod of God to ensure that Israel had victory. But Moses had come to that place where he was no longer to effectively lead the people. And the other side of this, God said, Moses, you don't get to go into the promised land. And they were staging and preparing to enter into the promised land. So Joshua is going to take the place of Moses, not identically as Moses, because there had never been another leader for the nation of Israel as Moses was, a man who could talk with God was in the presence of the Lord, Joshua would have a different role. Nonetheless, he would still lead. God would still be with him, and God would 
cause him and the children of Israel to be victorious. So first, Moses addresses all Israel in verses 1 through 6 of Deuteronomy 31. It says, Then Moses went and spoke all these words to Israel, and he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. So um, his birthday? Seems like it. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Shion, Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites in their lands, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So these words were spoken to the children of Israel to encourage them in their preparation to enter into the promised land. Moses gives two reasons why he could no longer lead them. First, he said, I'm old. I'm 120 years old, and my ability has been limited because of my age. So no longer could he effectively lead the people as he had once done and had been doing for 40 years. Now, on the other hand, in Deuteronomy 34, 7, we'll see this next week, Moses was 120 years old. When he died, his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. So he had a special God-given strength. But it's the second reason that did not allow him to enter into the promised land. He said, because God wouldn't let me. Deuteronomy 32, 48 through 52, then the Lord said to Moses that very same day, go up to this mountain of Abram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho, view the land of Canaan, which I will give to the children of Israel as a possession, and die on the mountain which you ascend to be gathered with your people. Now, we'll read this when we get to chapter 32, the rest of this. But he was not allowed to go because he had sinned against the Lord in the wilderness of Meribah, there at Kadesh. And God said, because you had dis sinned against me and he had misrepresented the Lord, he had struck the rock when the Lord had only instructed him to speak to the rock. He was therefore not allowed to enter into the promised land. So Israel, though, would cross over the Jordan. They would dispossess the people. Yahweh would go before them. The Lord would be with them. And they were to do all that God had commanded them through Moses, according to his judgment on the seven nations as they entered into the promised land. And they would do just as they had done to Sion and Og, the king of the Amorites and these kings, as I mentioned last week, are repeated often in Scripture as an example of the victory that the Lord had given to the children of Israel. They are mentioned to give courage to the children of Israel and also believe that Joshua, he will go before you. 
that Joshua is being mentioned because he was a champion in the nation of Israel at this time. And a lot of times we may not think too much about this, but my mind goes this direction in the sense of the ages of the people. We have Moses and probably Joshua and Caleb right now, right around 80 years old, because we um, only know that Joshua would die when he is 110 years old. But Caleb will say once they are in the promised land, he'll give his age and say that I am 85 years old and I'm just as strong today as I was when I first entered the land um, some 45 years earlier when Moses sent out the 12 spies, two of which were Joshua and Caleb. And so besides that, you had Moses, 120, Joshua and Caleb, probably around 80 years old, and then everyone below them, 60 years old and under. And so they would stand out. They were 20 years older, Joshua and Caleb, that is. And Joshua was a proven leader in warfare. And the Lord promised that they would be victorious over their enemies just as they had been victorious over the kings of the Amorites. As long as they followed the commandments of Yahweh. And this commission is to be strong, to be courageous. Well, David referred back to these very same words when he commissioned Solomon to take his throne to build the temple of God in First Chronicles 22.13, David said to his son, Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes, the judgments with which the Lord has charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. David took these same words and he gave them to Solomon and said, you will prosper just as God and Moses said to the children of Israel, you will prosper if you are careful to obey the commandments that I give you. Be strong, be of good courage, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Israel needed to hear these words because they still face the occupants of the promised land 40 years earlier their parents had said that though it is a beautiful land and truly is a, a land filled with milk and honey the people are strong they're giants and their cities are large and walled cities so they needed this kind of encouragement and I think the church needs it as well Paul referred back to this and in the writer of Hebrews, we have this type, same, similar type of encouragement in Romans 8, 31 and 32. Then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God is for us, who could be against us? And God is for us. And the example that Paul gives God gave his only son. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things. 
as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So taking it right here from Deuteronomy 31.6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In verses 7 and 8, Moses now addresses Joshua a little shorter. But he says to Joshua, in the sight of all Israel, this is important because he's elevating Joshua before Israel now. So he says to Joshua, verse 7, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So Moses spoke similar words to Joshua as he did to the children of Israel. But he called Joshua in the presence of all Israel. So Moses is elevating Joshua before the people and telling Joshua, you must go. This is your call. This is what I've called you to do, the Lord would say. And I I believe that the Lord can place a call on an individual's life, and for that individual, it's a must-do. I must do. God can call us all generally, and then sometimes there's those special calls that he places upon our life for Joshua. This was a special role that he was to have to help the children of Israel take and conquest the promised land. Numbers 27, 22, and 23. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua. He set him before Eliezer, the priest, before all the congregation. He laid his hands on him and inaugurated him, just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. So Yahweh would be would also encourage Joshua with the same words. Be strong, be courageous. Perhaps Joshua at this time was a little afraid. Maybe he was a little dismayed, or maybe he was really afraid and greatly dismayed. Have you ever been in that position? He would have to be encouraged again in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 9. Verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? This is the Lord now speaking to him, not just Moses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Moses begins to talk about the words of the law and the song that will be sung in the remainder of this chapter. But he begins with the law that he would deliver to the priests, to the sons of Levi, verse 9, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to, and all the elders of Israel. So he wrote this law, delivered it to the priest, and also to all the elders of Israel. Verse 10, Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, so the year of release when debt was released back to the people and um, they were to read the law. 
Verse 11, when all Israel comes and appears before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, so that simply means either at the tabernacle, wherever it might be, or the temple that was a permanent structure in Jerusalem, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women, little ones, the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear, that they may learn to fear the Lord your God. Be careful to observe all the words of this law, that their children who have not known it may hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So Moses wrote the law down, delivered it to the priests, to the elders of Israel. And then every seven years, and when they gathered at the Feast of Tabernacle, the year of release, they were to read the law before the people, the men, the women, the children. It was to be plain. You know, you look about the history of the Bible, and uh, especially now we're so spoiled today with the number of different translations that we have, the availability of the Word of God to not only be in um, physical print in a book form, but also in digital form that you can take the Word of God with you. You can listen to the Word of God being read. You can rehearse the Word of God. It's something that I was accustomed to doing when I was a brick mason, and uh, I normally tried, if I could help it, to keep um, the drive to around an hour. Now, I was working in the Chicagoland area, and sometimes you'd have to go a little further, and sometimes it was closer to home, but rarely was it close to home. The only job that would have been right down the street, I think we missed the bid for, by like 500 bucks. Um, terrible how the school system does that in our state. And I say that, in good reasons because just because it's low bid doesn't mean it's the best bid to take and there was an example of a school over here in uh, Grace Lake that we also missed the bid for it by just a few hundred dollars it went to the lowest bidder it would have been my job because Johnny was spoiled and he didn't want to work in Cook County so my boss used to bid jobs in Lake County for me works for me <laughs> but so what happened on this one job was we lost the bid and another company came in, but they didn't know what they were doing. And so they had to hire a babysitter to basically tell them where the brick go in the building. It was a school. And uh, so they ended up paying some at the time, a salary of some $32,000 to help the bricklayers do their job right when they could have just paid our company less than a thousand dollars more and it would have been done right but that's how it goes normally there was the long drives normally i had about an hour and um often i would just listen to the word of god back in the day it began with cds it went to uh, began with cassette players then cds got fancy and then now you have MP3, but just hearing the word of God is so important. Every seven years, they have this unique opportunity to hear the word of God. My point being, we're so spoiled because we have so many methods of hearing the word of God. 
And there was a time in the church age where everything was either in the original languages or in Latin, and the people didn't know the original languages. They didn't know Latin, so they didn't have that clear understanding. But notice here is that they were to read it to the men, to the women, to the children, to the strangers, that they may know it, hear it, learn to observe it, and to fear the Lord. And so the way that you learn and learn to observe is to have it plainly given to us. So they were to present the word of God to the people. And yet God knew that they would be a rebellious people for good reason. God said, read this word to them. And once every seven years, that's not a lot to ask for in someone's lifespan. And yet the people would rebel. And Moses, the Lord called and said to Moses, Behold, verse 14, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger will be aroused against them in that day. I will forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they had done. In that they have turned to other gods. Now therefore write down this song for yourself. Teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. That this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. When I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. Of which I swore to their fathers. And they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat. Then they shall... They will turn to other gods, serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it will be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. Therefore Moses wrote the song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you will bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So Joshua now being officially inaugurated at the tabernacle of meeting with the Lord's Shekinah glory, being seen by all the people as well. And once again, God saying to Joshua, be strong and of good courage and promising that I will be with you. 
But of the people, God said to Moses, I know the inclination of their heart. They're going to turn. They're going to worship other gods. I'm going to then turn my face away from them, and I'm going to let them fall into the troubles, the evils that will befall them. It's a result of, they said, notice in verse 17, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Well, the reason God was not among them, verse 18, they had turned to other gods. They had rejected the Lord. So yeah, the evils came upon them because they had turned their hearts away from the Lord. And God said, give them this song to be a witness for me when they fall away. So one day it would they would be singing it. It would just... Have you ever been in that situation? I'm a musician, so this is very interesting to me in the sense of even looking at Psalm or Deuteronomy 32. My first, I had two different tugs. I had the preacher side of me and the musician side of me. The preacher side of me wanted to break it down into categories. That's what I ended up doing. The musician side of me wanted verse and chorus, verse and chorus. They don't seem to fit that easily. In fact, one of the YouTube Psalm 30 or Deuteronomy 32s that I listened to, they took a section of verses 4 and 5 and made it a chorus, a refrain that they kept coming back to, but that's not how Psalm or Deuteronomy 32 is written. I guess I keep saying Psalm because it is a song. But the song of Moses would be a testimony against them. But Joshua was called to be strong and to be courageous. And he was successful in this. Stephen would talk about it in Acts chapter 7. Talk about these days when in Acts 7, 44 through 47, he said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern, which our fathers, having received it, in turn brought it with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the day of David, who found favor before God and asked for a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. And Solomon built the house. So really rehearsing a bit of the history there from Moses to Joshua to David to Solomon who built the temple. And so he said of the book of the law, verse 24, so it was when Moses had completed writing the words of the book of the law and they were finished that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion, your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, so this is Moses speaking, if today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribes, your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth. Now, here's a third witness on the mouth of every two or three witnesses. It's just dawned on me while I was here. Um, not earlier when I was putting my notes together, but that's how the law works on the mouth of every 
two or three witnesses, everything shall be determined. So we've had the witness of the Song of Moses, the witness of the Word of God that Moses wrote and said, put it next to the Ark of the Covenant, that it may be a witness. And now you have a witness for the elders, gather the elders, verse 28, your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth, the third witness, heaven and earth, to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt, turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger, through the work of your hands, then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. So Moses wrote the words of the law, commanded them to be placed next to the ark as a witness against Israel, called the elders of Israel, that he then would call heaven and earth to be a witness against them as well. So in this chapter, we find Moses told the people that the Lord God would cross over before you, that the Lord would be with you, that he would not leave you nor forsake you. And Moses gave these same words of encouragement to Joshua as he would be the physical leader before the people. For 40 years, Moses had faithfully led the children of Israel through the wilderness, but it was not his role to take them into the promised land. That was the role of Joshua. But also, they knew even though God would go before them, would be with them, give them victory in the promised land, they would possess the land. One day the people's heart would turn away from them, from the Lord and from his word. We think about this for today. We live in a land that's been described as a land flowing with milk and honey. And in the song, um, we will find this repeated again. In fact, the song will say in, in the latter days they grew fat. And in America, um, there have been a lot of wealth in America. And the wealth sometimes, our blessings, has caused us to drift away from the Lord cause us to turn away from the Lord. So we need to hear these truths again today. But also, as the church, we need to know that the Lord will go before us, that he is with us, that he's behind us, he's below us, he's above us, that he is there to give us victory. Now, the victory that's been won ultimately is the victory of the cross, that Jesus Christ did the work for us in our behalf. But also, we are to walk as victors in this land because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we need to hear the promise that was repeated in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we would boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So maybe we need that type of courage today. As for the song, Deuteronomy 32, it's fairly long. And so I'm going to do more reading of Scripture than commentary, which isn't a bad thing. God's Word is 
is the truth. My commentary sometimes may take us in a wrong direction. I hope not. I try not to. I did section it out, but I didn't section it out as a musician might because it didn't always fit. Or in the Song of Moses, if they had some kind of rhythm, I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, And then we have to consider that this was written originally in Hebrew. So it probably would have a whole different feel. But since it had to be translated into the English language, it may have lost some of that. But uh, some of my sections are not very long. Some of them are a little longer. But I kind of broke it down into themes. And the first of these themes was verses 1 through 4. Psalm, Psalm, I keep saying Psalm, Deuteronomy 32, verses 1 through 4. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as rain, my speech distill like the dew or like a light rain. As raindrops on the tender herb, as showers on the grass. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, for he is our rock. This Hebrew word speaks about the peak of a mountain or a place of safety or refuge. He is our rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So this song, The Song of Moses begins, it should come as a sweet, refreshing rain that nourishes the land rather than a harsh, hard, stormy rain that brings destruction, but one that nourishes the land. That's how the Word of God should be. Although sometimes it may be strong and pierce our hearts hard, but that's usually because of the conviction the Word has in our lives. Five and six, it tells us, They have corrupted themselves. That word corrupted means to decay. But also it can mean they have dealt falsely. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, so a stain. Uh, But morally, it's speaking about that spiritual sin, that blemish that we have. A perverse and crooked, crooked to be warped or wickedly cunning so they're a perverse and crooked generation do you thus deal with the Lord O foolish and unwise people so a warning here they have corrupted themselves they are not as children they have blemishes they're perverse they're crooked and they're foolish and unwise because they had turned against their rock in fact, Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Pick up again in verse 6. It says, with two questions, Is he not your father who bought you? Rhetorical questions, yes. Has he not made you and established you? Yes. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. I think this is so important. Um, We're commanded in Scripture to teach, 
as parents to teach our children. And then there are those like myself who have been called to teach the Word of God. But the call to the people to remember the days of old, a lot of people are trying to reject and forget history. It's happening here in the United States. Another statue was removed either yesterday or this past week over in New York, a statue that had been uh, in its place for over 140 years, and it's been taken down because here in America, we have a generation of people who want to forget, and yet when we forget, we get in trouble. So the call is to remember, to ask your parents, ask your elders. Verse 8, when the Most High divided the inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam and set boundaries of all the peoples. This ties all the way back to Genesis chapter 10 and the 70 nations being established there. He set boundaries of the people according to their number, the children of Israel, for the Lord portioned to his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. And so they were rehearsing history instead of like a nation that we live in today that's trying to forget her history. But this is because they are willfully forgetting, even in our own nation, because they have removed the ancient landmarks. So I think it's so important for us to know history, to rehearse our history. Not everything in history is good. There are some great things that took place in history, some very horrific things that have taken place in history. But we need to know those things, one, to help prevent us from repeating those things, but often, and I think it's happening in our own nation once again, we're removing those landmarks that had were used to establish our nation. Proverbs 22:28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. And that is exactly what's happening in our own nation today. Jeremiah 6:16. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. So the Lord is saying, ask for the old path. Where the good way is. Walk in that path. And when you do that, you're going to find rest for your soul. And so many people today are saying, nope, we will not walk in it. So back to our song, verses 10 through 14. He found him, referring to Jacob. He had just mentioned Jacob in verse 9. He found him in a desert land, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. In the Hebrew, that word for apple is little man. So the idea, if you get it just right, you can look into somebody's pupils and you'll see a reflection of yourself, the little man. The apple of the eye. Verse 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him. There were no foreign gods with him. He made him to ride on the heights of the earth. He made him eat the produce of the fields, made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. 
herds from the cattle and milk from the flocks, the fat of lambs and rams of the breeds of Bashan and the goats with the choicest wheat. And you drink wine and the blood or the juice of the grapes. Truly, God had blessed Israel in so many ways, providing for them, um, protecting them, teaching them, keeping them. But Jeshurun, it's a Hebrew word that is derived from the verb yeshar. It means to be upright. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat and you grew thick. You are obese. Then he forsook God and made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. They, with abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know. Notice here that here in this one verse, we have the mention of pagan gods, gods they did not know, and in sacrificing to these pagan gods, Moses tells us in this song, they were actually sacrificing to demons. To new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who forgot you, you are unmindful. You have forgotten the God who fathered you. So God had greatly blessed them. Israel forsook their rock. They forsook the Lord who had begot them to worship demons, these demon gods of these other nations. 19 through 27, when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom there is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. So the jealousy of God here is not a spirit spirit of pettiness uh, prompted by some kind of insecurity. God's all worried because the people's not worshiping him. But it's a righteous indignation that they had turned away from worshiping the Lord. But then he goes on to use the same Hebrew word in connection to the people themselves. Again, picking up in verse 21, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy so here, this is a jealousy of envy. As God will lavish his attention, he'll bless other nations. By those who are not a nation to the Gentiles, he'll bless them and he'll move Israel to jealousy because of that. I will move them to anger by the foolish nation. For my fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn in the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters on them. I will spin my arrows on them, and they will be wasted in hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of the beast, 
with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside with there shall be terror within for a young man and his virgin, a nursing child with a man of gray hairs. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy. Now this is not, God is not fearing in the sense of he's afraid what the enemy might say or do. But what he's saying here is, finish the verse, verse 27, I had not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should un- misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high, and this is not the Lord who has done all this. So God doesn't want Israel's adversaries to misunderstand that God was the one who was causing all this trouble to come upon Israel because Israel had turned their hearts away from the Lord. I'll I'll just tell you that in Israel today, there are great troubles, but verse 25 has spoke to me every time I've read it today of Deuteronomy 32, 25. I wonder if people in Israel are singing these words, the sword shall be destroyed outside, October 7th, when terrorists came in and invaded Israel, and it didn't matter the age from a baby that was only months old to old men and women and everybody in between. Everything's covered here. Terror shall be for the young man and his virgin, the nursing child, and the man of gray hairs. And that's still happening in Israel today. Perhaps Israel today needs to begin to sing once again the song of Moses. It was not that God feared the wrath of unbelieving nations, but that if he had totally removed Israel from the face of the earth, their enemies might believe that they were the ones responsible for Israel's destruction. So God, as we know, he's always had a remnant and that remnant, according to Romans 11:5, is according to the election of grace. So 28 through 33. Still working our way through this long chapter, but verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. This is... talking of Israel. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless, okay, I had that wrong. God is talking about the other nations, the Gentiles, their void of counsel. If they could consider Verse 30, how could one chase a thousand to put 10,000 to flight unless Israel's rock, so that's what's being referred to here, unless their rock, Israel's rock, had sold them. The Lord had surrendered them. The Lord had surrendered Israel into the hands of the Gentiles. For their rock, now talking to the enemies of Israel, their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves being judges. 
for their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the field of Gomorrah. Their grapes are the grapes of Gaul. Their clusters are bitter. It speaks about perversion there. Their wine is the poison of serpents and their cruel venom of cobras. We need to remember that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, though sometimes we may physically have to wrestle. But Paul said in Ephesians 6.12 that we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is, though Christ is our victor and he has won the victory upon the cross, the war continues until the Lord comes to receive his church. And then the war will continue on during the tribulation. The battle is still raging. We live in a war zone. And we need to draw close to God at all times if we are to be fit in this battle. 34 through 38. Is this not laid up in the Store with me, sealed up among my treasures, vengeance is mine, and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things must come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. So 34 and 35, God's judgment, God's vengeance their foot will sleep, slip in due time. It's talking about the nations that God brings against Israel. The Gentiles, though they may be victorious over Israel for a season, as the Assyrians were, destroying Israel in 722 B.C., as the Babylonians were, destroying Judah in 586 B.C., Therein came, these nations came. God would judge them because, and he gives the reason in verse 36, God would judge his people, Israel, have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining, bond or free. He will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge who ate of the fat of their sacrifices, drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. So Yahweh's judgment would come upon the nations and then also upon the nation of Israel, and he would have compassion upon that remnant. God always has compassion upon the remnant. And he will provide atonement, verses 39 for 43, that ends out the song. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I will kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise up my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I wit my glittering sword and my hand takes hold of judgment, I will render vengeance on my enemies. And repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh and stain and the blood with the blood of the slain and captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemies. Rejoice, O Gentiles. Now, this is the end of the song. He's calling not just Israel, but he calls for the Gentiles to rejoice. It's a song of Moses 
to be sung by Israelis, and it closes with these words, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, render vengeance on his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. The God who is able to kill and to make alive, to wound and to heal, to take vengeance on his enemies, to avenge the blood of his people. He calls Gentiles to rejoice along with the children of Israel because God would bring salvation to the lands. We are called to rejoice. Romans 15, beginning in verse 8, it says, Now I say to you that Jesus Christ has become the servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. And again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Paul quoting directly from Deuteronomy 32:43 there. And then again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. Psalm 117:1. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he will rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Isaiah 11:10. Now may the peace, now may God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul used the Old Testament prophecies to show that God's salvation was not limited to the children of Israel, but also to Gentiles from all the nations of the world. And it gives us good reason to rejoice. So it says, verses 44. Four through 47, Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun. He spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel. He said, set your hearts on all these words, which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. Do, for it is not a futile thing for you because it's your life. And by this word, you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. It's not a waste of time to read the word of God, to study the word of God, to walk in the ways of the word of God. Moses said, this is your life. And so, Moses being gathered to his people, we close out the chapter. And the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day. Verse 49, go up this mountain, the mountain of Abram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab across from Jordan. View the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession. And die on the mountain which you ascend and gather to your people. Just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Horeb and was gathered to his people because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the land of Zen, because you did not hallow me, you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel, 
Yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there, into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. So Moses not allowed to enter in. Aaron has already died on another mountain, and now it's time for Moses to leave the children of Israel. The reason? Because they've misrepresented God. He did not hollow God before the children of Israel there at the waters of Meribah. And yet he gets to see the promised land, the land that he walked toward for 120 years of his life. And I love it that he's gathered to your people. That phrase in verse 50 should give us a larger expectation of heaven where we'll not only be with Jesus, but we'll also be gathered to our own people, our loved ones who trusted in him and have gone before us. So the song of Moses, they were to sing it. They were to memorize it. And one day it would become a witness against them. God gave a threefold witness from his word, through his song, and through heaven and earth. And he called against the children of Israel. I want to close out just a couple of things about the rock. Here in this song, we learn that our rock is perfect and just. In verse 4, he is a rock. He is perfect in all his ways. Our justice, a God of truth, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Also, our rock is salvation, our salvation. In verse 15, they, he, then he forsook and made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They forsook God who made him. They scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. But the rock is our salvation. The rock is also he who fathered us. Verse 18, of the rock who forgot, you, who begot you, you are unmindful of and have forgotten the God who fathered you. So he, the rock is our father. The rock is unlike any other. Verse 31, their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves being judges. The rock is not like our rock. Our rock is Jesus Christ. And we go all the way to 1 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, where Paul says, And they all ate of that same spiritual food, and all drank of that same spiritual drink, for they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock is Christ. And Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us this night. And though we may not, Lord, or maybe we could sing this song of Moses, help us to be a people that have a hunger and desire to rehearse your word, not only to ourselves, to our loved ones, to our children, in our church families, that we might learn to walk in your ways. For your word is life. And Lord Jesus, you are the word of God who came and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, you are, according to John chapter 1, the light and the life of men. Truly, your word is life. And we give you praise for that tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. All right. You can stand for a moment. For us here at the church, it's going to be a mega potluck this coming Sunday. And we're going to start, I'm going to start a series of Christmas messages uh, 
two weeks in a row I'm going to be looking at prophecies about Christmas, but I'm going to, normally I look at them from the New Testament, but I'm going to go back to their original source. And what I want us to see, what I, in my mind, what I want us to look at is that God gave some beautiful prophecies that we still look at to this day that came at very difficult situations and circumstances um, when they were given. And so I want us to see the circumstances from which the prophecies came that resulted in the coming of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at at least six of these prophecies, and we're going to do it over the next two weeks. And then Pastor Kevin will be teaching that third Sunday in December, and then we'll meet on the fourth Sunday, Christmas Eve, for a special celebration. So we have just a great month of just waiting and worshiping the Lord and coming together and celebrating the birth of our Savior. I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.